Welcome to part two of Improv Interviews, the legendary Howard Jerome and the fantastic Michael Golding. And in this episode, we're going to learn more about Howard Jerome's philosophy about improv and maybe play a scene or two for you. Howard, we were talking about the sociological impact of improv. Uh, yeah, uh, for me, uh, coming from a, a radical left-wing desire to create a new world, which means uh, ultimately I live in commune, which I've done, but uh, to try to build a, uh, a theater of the people that would talk about things that people cared about in, in an inexpensive way that doesn't require prop sets, costumes, and, and even advertising. It just requires people's desire, and our job is to awaken their imagination yeah and so uh, i i loved the experiments david and i did both theatrical and non-theatrical i loved going to jail with david we did stuff on rikers island and in the bronx house of detention that was uh, jaw-dropping and amazing one example is we did an emotional hurdles scene in jail with the inmates and the emotional uh, hurdle was you had to go from being angry to laughter that was the you had to make that emotional transition in the scene somehow and the scene was it's a poker game in the yard and so the guys are playing poker in the yard or dice that was some gambling thing and suddenly an argument breaks out and they get angry and angry and angrier and suddenly the guards burst in to the scenario and the guys burst out laughing because they, the, the guards thought it was for real. The inmates played anger real good. And the, when the guards burst in, the guys burst out with laughter. It was an emotional hurdle and an emotional healing for all concerned. Lovely use of theater in jail. Amazing, amazing. We were in a penthouse with a multi-billionaire who was having trouble with his dad. So naturally, David had me play his dad. So uh, we did uh, 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 improv uh, in nightclubs. We did improv uh, on street corners in Washington Square Park. We did, uh, all right, Michael, your turn. We did, we did improv fill in the blanks. You took improv up to Toronto to the Homemade Theater Improv Festival, where you they revamped the Improv Olympics, which lapsed into you taking it to Ottawa, which is where you met Willie Wiley and his friends, and then you and Willie turned it into the Canadian Improv Games, and this is all through your work with David. And you and Willie dragged me and David into this. And I'm going to slam the break on right here because there's one more story I need to tell before we move to Canada. Um, okay. Before we move to Canada and Willie, because it's such a big, big part of my life. Oh, yeah. And your life and your life, Michael. Yes. Uh, the most radical thing I've done in the improvisation, uh, because I'm um, inspired by David's desire for a people's theater what would it truly look like and so we were invi invited to by the baltimore theater project i don't know what year to, what do you know what year i'm not familiar with this one baltimore no i am not this yeah the baltimore theater project invited us down to demonstrate something 
with improv. And so we created something we called the Audience Liberation Front Theater. Okay. And, and uh, we hung the banner outside the, the, um, the building. On it were the masks of comedy and tragedy being knocked over by a raised fist. And on the door was the Declaration of Audience Independence. You had to sign it before you would get in. And it said you were going to take, uh, by free will, creative responsibility for, for what goes on here tonight. And that's how you gained entrance to the theater. And so once the people were in, <clears throat> we turned out the lights and we gave them the original cast album of another opening, another show, da -da -ba 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 -da -ba -ba, this big Broadway kind of thing in the dark. And then my the, the company came out, and uh, this is Bob Aberdeen and Penny probably, I can't remember, and, and uh, what was her name, the small lady? Uh, there was Penny Kurtz, there was Claire Michaels, there was uh, Some combination of us went to Baltimore and we're doing, and they came out singing and dancing very badly. <laughs> Let me entertain you. Let me make you smile. We would do a few tricks, some older dance, some new tricks. Let me entertain you. Let me make you smile. And they would repeat it over and over again. And then I would interrupt it and say, yes, ladies and gentlemen, let us entertain you because that's why you're here, to be entertained by us. So on with the show. Let me entertain you. Let me make you smile. I'll do a trick. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we'll do tricks and make you smile. On with the show. Let me enter over and over and over again until finally somebody in the audience would say, stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> We've had enough. I said, oh, yeah? Prove it. Let me entertain you. <laughs> and we forced the audience into a revolution in the theater. They stormed the stage in order to get us to stop singing that stupid song. It was wondrous and frightening and very exciting. And once they stormed the stage and stopped us from doing that terrible thing, we asked just one thing. Beware of the tyrant amongst you. And two, if you'd like, we would demonstrate for you what we consider to be a post-revolutionary theater. Choice is yours. Several nights they chose to play in the theater and just jump around and have fun and have a crazy time. But several nights they chose to see what we considered to be a post-revolutionary theater, which was group improvisations that were wondrous to behold. For example, we made one group Half of the audience, you are the locals, and the other half of the audience, uh, you are tourists, right? And this is a big shopping market, and you don't speak each, other, each other's language. Go. And so uh, we would do group improvisations, and we would experience group things, like turn out the lights and imagine yourself to be in a crisis situation. And... What, what what heroism comes in? What what panic comes in? And so we did big improvs with people uh, as part of the Audience Liberation Front Theater. And that was, I guess, the most experimental use of improvisation that I have been involved with because it was completely unpredictable what might happen. I loved it. I loved it. I have a question, Howard. So 
they weren't taking a workshop or a level or anything. You just had them jump in. They, they weren't getting training or anything like that. They didn't have to go through, the, again, the five levels of awareness of improv. The theater is yours. The revolution is on. Do with it as you will. Well done, audience. Well done. I loved it. I, it was mad, and I loved it. Michael, did you see any of these shows at all, or was that before your time? Yeah, that was before my time. Oh. Such a youngster, huh? So we were talking about the fact that you knew uh, the young Alan Alda, who's doing tremendous work now with improv and science and also uh, about his Parkinson's. And uh, what was he like when you met him? Gawky and funny. Gawky and funny, you know, and very creative and willing. You know, he comes from David's lineage. Um, which is take the chance. You know, what's going to happen? Nobody's going to chop your head off. Take the chance. Uh, um, um, one of the experiences, oh gosh, there's so much to say. I have, we haven't even gotten to, to Canada yet. We're still, we're still in, in the States doing all this stuff with David. Well, we're going to be doing a, 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 not just a trilogy of interviews, but we'll just keep going on and on every Saturday night. So we'll just keep going. <laughs> It's like 46 years of David. That's kind of what it was like. Well, Howard had more. Howard had probably had more like 48, 49 years with David. They were working together for two years or so before I dropped in. Um, do you want to get ratings? <laughs> uh, Michael, I think you're old enough now. I'm going to tell you something you may not know. Uh oh! You, you, and I and Margot will, will are not going to be the uh, first menage uh, that uh, has been inspired by David. Uh, <laughs> David and I and um, wife number two uh, enjoyed each other's um, company in our mug in front of a fire. Uh, you know, you you did tell me this, but the way you told me was, and then. The three of you loved each other as only friends could love each other. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, my God. There was a time of great sharing. Let us leave it at that. The time of communes and communing with each other. Yeah, 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 like that. Um, so... Um, where where are we? So David and I, we went out to the to the Hamptons. We did improv with rich folks. That was wondrous. Wow. Also. We we were at the Lausanne nightclub. We were in the, the Hamptons. We did stuff on the beach. We did stuff in, in Greenwich Village. On, right there in Washington Square Park, we learned a, a couple of great lessons. One is you have to be seen. If you want to do improv, you have to be seen and you have to be heard. So we would stand on benches or tables or whatever the hell it was to gather people around us and try to uh, you know, get the audience to be co-creative with us. And, and right from the very beginning, D David impressed upon me that this isn't about meeting the audience's challenge. We don't want the audience to beat us up. We want them to be interested in something that we could help them discover, sometimes with laughter and sometimes without laughter. And that was always the intention. How can we co-create something together? And sometimes there's a commercial aspect to it, but more often there's a sociological aspect to it. 
and the unspoken therapeutic aspect to it. Uh, uh, we haven't yet gotten to that. We, David and I were invited to the psycho. Were you involved with the Psychodrama Institute, Michael? Were you no, there? We- not me. Uh-uh. Improv was, improv was the first thing I got into. So I did not study with Marino or their ilk, but I think the work's valuable. And, you know, Washington Square is where m- our alma mater for Michael and I, NYU, and many beautiful days in the park before they poured concrete into it. <laughs> well, David lived at number two Washington Square, and we spent a lot of time in that building. Yeah. And we, we created together and dreamed together and partied together. And uh, he, he was, my, he was my, my daddy, my uncle, my brother, my playmate. Uh, you know, he was a family man. We, we, we were family. Wherever I was, we were. Uh, and so um, what else can I tell you about? Uh, what else do you want to hear? Well, we, we mentioned Willie Wiley, but not everybody knows about Willie Wiley. And I th- think both you and Michael could tell uh, our audience a little bit more about him. I'll start at the very beginning. A very, a very good place to start. I was moved to Canada in 73. Vietnam made me angry. So I went up north to see what I could see. And so um, the, the truth of the matter is, here's how I could, got discovered. <laughs> I was doing an improv show. Oh, this is a game we could play. Anyway, I was doing an improv show at the Village Gate. Uh, it was called, yeah, it was called Dr. Jerome and His Magic Audience. And uh, it was a fake hypnotism show. I would give the audiences the roles to play. Ooh, I'm hypnotizing you. Ooh, I'm hypnotizing you. You are a doctor. Ooh, you are a doctor. What is your name, doctor? Hello? Oh, Dr. Feelgood. Feel, Dr. Feelgood. Might I ask, what is your specialty, doctor? A psychiatric anomalies. Uh, how big is an anomaly? Does it have a tail? Uh, they're small, actually, in my practice, but there are larger ones. I don't deal with the big ones. Uh, I see. Okay, uh, so you're a doctor. I'm going to give you a place. You're on the beach, okay? Okay. You're, you're a doctor on the beach. I don't know why you're on the beach. So this is what I did, uh, Margot. I gave the audience roles to play, and then I would do interviews with them, uh, they would be doctors. I would do the interview. I would make jokes. They would make jokes. And it was always fun and safe, not making fun of them, never making fun of them. David said, there are too many of them to make fun of. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we made fun with never at the expense of. It's always co-creative and designed to be that way. The uh, sociological implications are we can experiment and explore anything. We were invited to the J.L. Moreno Psychodrama Institute to demonstrate what we did, and they demonstrated what they did, and uh, David came away with, and I totally agreed with the idea that we're not going to emphasize therapy in our work whatsoever. Um, It's co-creativity maybe community building, but certainly always co-creativity. The reason being, the minute you say this is psychodrama, sociodrama, 
life something drama, life story drama. It begins with the implication of there's something wrong with you or your life. Yeah. Although there is, although there is we don't talk about that. Well, it's we all, that- I'm sorry. I was going to say it's as a power and a status position too, because the doctor of a psychodrama has all this knowledge that they're going to impart onto you and interpret you and all of that instead of being more egalitarian comrades. You got it, girl. That That's absolutely so. Keep it dem- democratic. Keep it democratic. Let the audience uh, have their wishes fulfilled and co-create with you, uh, no matter what the audience is, wherever they are. And that's uh, the work that I uh, did uh, as long as I could. The last improvisations I did with David. Are we there yet? Do you want to talk about that? Well, we can talk about it and go back to something else. We can time travel. We haven't spoken yet about going to Canada and Willie. And Willie. Okay, so it's 1973. uh, I do this show in the Village Gate, Dr. Jerome, his magic audience. In the audience is a guy who comes out of the audience and says, that was wonderful. Oh, I have a little production in Ottawa. Do you think you can come to Ottawa and we'll do a pilot together? That was so wonderful, wonderful. And so I said, Ottawa, where the fuck is Ottawa? I heard of Montreal. I heard of Toronto. I'm from Brooklyn. Ottawa, give me a break. (laughs) But Kent State happened, and uh, my divorce happened, and um, I was given an opportunity, and I took it, and I went to Canada, and we did these pilots, uh, which failed, but the company loved me and said, would I be willing to stay on like as a staff New York goofy guy. And so, absolutely. And so, it was, uh, I stayed in Canada. And I uh, ran, a, I decided that I'm going to take David's work and see if I can interest um, anybody in that. And ran a workshop in Ottawa where I was doing television shows. And uh, the workshops, because David and I developed the Improvisation Olympics, and so I was bringing the Olympic Improv Flame to Canada, and uh, I posted something, an advertisement about uh, come and experience the Improv Olympics, and the door uh, at this audition or whatever the interview was in the high school, the door burst open, and <laughs> Michael... Take it away from here. In walks, in walks Willie Wiley and his friends dressed in togas and torches and Olympic gear. They were actually told they could not attend this workshop. <laughs> and they went, no, 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 no. We all know what the Improv Olympics is, but we should be there. Uh, and actually, Willie's real name is Jamie Wiley, but he played a character named Willie in the high school play, and that just stuck. But they stormed the workshop. Howard instantly fell in love with them, and uh, they did the Improv Olympics together, and he brought them to Toronto in 1974 for Homemade Theater's uh, Improv Festival. There was a professional league and an amateur league, so 
that's how it all started. And then in 76, Willie felt they should give something back to the community. So they decided to do their version of the Improv Olympics. At first, it was called the Canadian Improv Olympics. And it premiered in 1977 in just a handful of high schools in Ottawa. Howard suggested that Willie invite me and David up to the first one. David and I had a nine-hour road trip from New York to Ottawa. And for Willie and I, we're exactly the same age, born the same month, a few weeks apart. Love at first sight. To the point where Willie convinced me to move up to Ottawa after I graduated college. And I lived there for a couple of years between 81 and 83. I was Willie's roommate for a while and uh, we did what then became the Canadian Improv Games together and uh, so that was the start and Willie and I became super close friends until the day he passed away which was almost five years ago uh, yeah so here in the states uh, the name Improv Olympics was challenged by the uh, Olympic Committee wasn't it Michael yeah, it was, yes. Uh, David uh, switched it, called it the Improv Olympics, P-I-X. Uh, they still weren't thrilled with that, then changed it to the Improv Games. They were a little less threatened by that. I still call it Olympics or P-I-X. Um, they had the same problem in Canada. That's why eventually Willie turned it to the Canadian Improv Games. They were actually willing to let him call it the Canadian Improv Olympics, but they wanted a piece of the action. And Willie said, this is a nonprofit organization. There are no profits. Uh, Shonda Halpert also encountered the same problem, but she did not realize after she had worked with David that there were already problems with the Olympic Committee. And that's why uh, Improv Olympics in Chicago became IO. So there's... There's the story there with the Olympic Committee, quashing David, Willie, Shauna. Um, we learned a valuable lesson. There are certain institutions that you simply don't mess with. One of them was the Olympic Committee. You don't, you, you don't mess with them. You don't mess with Disney either. The mouse kicked your ass. <laughs> don't, don't mess with the mouse. I messed with McDonald's. I made a mistake. I did Reggie McVeggie, the soy burger clown, way back the hell when, and they were outraged. How dare I be Reggie McVeggie, the soy burger clown? Now, lo and behold, they're pushing this plant-based shit all over the place. Right, Have you right. So, you know, talking about uh, cartoons, um, one of the things that you've done that I think is just a real gem, and I'm going to post it again, of course, is Puppets Who Kill. What a great show that is, Puppets Who Kill. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, I've, I've, I've had a wonderful career. I, I'm still, I continue, I just got another gig today. I got a gig. I'm shooting a little film next week. Uh, in Ottawa, a lovely character named Fast Lou. <laughs> He's a, a debonair sleazebag. I love him. <laughs> and you just filmed, didn't you film abroad too earlier this year? Yeah, I went to Budapest uh, to shoot a uh, film called The Song of Names about the Second World War and the uh, thing called Treblinka, the extermination camp, and its effect and impact on the Polish, Jewish, and Hungarian communities. It was uh, an extraordinary experience. 
I have a lot to say about Hungary, um, I, I, but that's another story. Um, so where was I? Oh, things you don't mess with. You don't mess with the mouse. You don't mess with Reggie McVeggie. And in Canada, you, it turns out you don't mess with the milk marketing board until Trump came along. We messed with the milk marketing board and they sent lawyers and, and guys to break down your doors, to, to take away your files. It was wild. The lady who was leading the charge against how milk was being handled in Canada begged me to hide her files in my basement. So strange and wondrous, wondrous situations there. So um, we learned not to mess with the Olympic Committee. The work was more important than the name. Yeah. There is a time jump, and Michael and I will fill that in. We went willy wally burst through that door, and everything changes, leading up to my appearance at Improv University at Bishop's College in uh, Sherbrooke, Quebec. Beautiful rolling Laurentian mountains and a campus like any other college campus. And lo and behold, the graduates and the grandchildren of the original improv guys have put together an improv university that 52 lucky kids got to experience a buffet of workshops. They got to have extraordinary experiences, got to be affirmed, got to be embraced, had wonderful creative times impeccably done by my gang. Now, do you know the name Dr. James Naismith? I don't think so, no. Dr. James Naismith was a farmer who invented, uh, put a peach basket up on his barn wall, and he threw a ball in it. And he invented oh, yes, 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 basketball, yes. Invented basketball. He's from Almont, Ontario, a nowhere place. I've been there. The perfect uh, game. They did a play about him, the perfect game. Yeah, so in his wildest imagination, he did not envision LeBron James or Steph Curry or Kyrie Leonard. I, in my wildest visions, at the Space for Innovative Development, where we first did any kind of uh, team improv, never did I imagine that my kids would have uh, an improv university. So I'm Dr. James Naismith, glad to meet you, but they, they are the NBA champions, and I never dreamed that they would have a university uh, for improvisation. So God bless my kids and their grandchildren. I do not take credit for what they have done, but I do take pride. I take what, you know the words, Kvel and Nachas? Yes. That's what I got. Fantastic. Kvel and Nachas. Michael, you familiar with Kvel and Nachas? Of course. Elder <laughs> <a> Jewish dad? <laughs> That's what I got for my kids. Yeah. 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 So that's yes, I saw the pictures recently that you posted on Facebook of the time up there, and um, there's also a video of some of your students somewhere around the universe uh, talking about how they learned improv and what they got out of it, and it's quite amazing. So you're a beautiful teacher. Well, I thank you. I had a, an extraordinary time. The kids are great, and as I said in my post. It seems to me like uh, the Canadian Improv Games is in pretty good hands, and I have nothing to do with it. 
bless them all. Very yeah. humble, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I won the humble championship two years in a row. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> well, thanks again for your time so much. Michael, it's so good to see you. It's Well, I know you can't see me, but it's always wonderful to be around you. Michael's been helping me so much with the uh, teaching that I'm doing down here in Florida. Just been an incredible help and, uh, and with my podcasts as well. And Howard, you're a mensch. Bless you. Same to you. We love you, and I can't wait to see you again. You will soon. Thank you, my friends. Okay. Mazel tov. Shalom. Love you, Michael. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.